Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, guess he's back, back again, Nick is back, tell a friend, guess who's back, 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 guess who's back. I'm Nick of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by a man who is fresh off the grill. Yes, it's Simon Maddox. I can smell the meat from here. Well, this is one of the many, many bonuses of having a big beard is that I'm going to be living with the smell of barbecue until I shower tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that as a benefit. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's a big win. Uh, a good smoky barbecue equals a good smoky beard. Um, I'm not sure how positive it is for the longevity of the hair being caked in roasted jalapeno and things like that i come on assured like it has to have some impact like a positive impact jalapeno is a positive i feel like they're a positive positive pepper vegetable <laughs> yeah fruit <laughs> has it got seeds in it i don't know i've confused myself right at the beginning right from the off so yeah you've uh, you've got guests over so you were grilling i'm assuming there was a fackle in there somewhere there was probably some kind of steak maybe a sausage or there was two. there were many sausages there were lots of nuremberger represent a couple of um pork steaks because just two one for me and one for my mum who is our visitor mm-hmm um, first time we've seen each other in person since 2019. Nice. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. Some vegetable kebabs and then a load of chicken kebabs. It's been a very kebab-heavy evening. Um, but you know this show. We love a kebab. And I was going to say, we're really, uh, it, it's really our, our sort of staple conversation is about kebabs. Did you find like, because I found this when I went back to Newcastle, uh, did you find you just like a... You just emptied all your information onto each other. <laughs> it's like this is everything that happened. So what was it? Because I found that with some people, I was like, I was like dumping every little bit of information that had happened in the last two years, and then for other people, it was a bit more sort of selective highlights of the last two years. So I mean, it was it was kind of surprising how quickly we ended up just talking about the weather again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had that with my mum as well. <laughs> I think it was about twenty minutes. Yeah, last night I was googling when was the coldest year in British history, and we were talking about 1962. It was, it was, yeah. So it didn't last long before we ran out of things to talk about apart from the weather. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm back. I'm back in the UK. I'm back in my little podcast cave. I'm very happy about that. While uh, you, Simon, were celebrating your birthday on Saturday, I was having the most horrendous journey I've ever had. I checked in with you in the morning to make because I assumed you were already home, and then you were like, "I'm still in the UK," and I was like, "What?" And then I didn't. Then I got drunk and failed to check in with you again. So tell us, tell us about your escape from from Plague Island. Yeah, it was. It did feel like they wouldn't let me leave after having contracted Corona (laughs) and then having to stay there an extra week. I was kind of gagging to get back. I was really wanting to see, yeah, I want to see my wife, want to see my daughter. I just wanted to get home, you know, when you're away. It's lovely being there, but it's your own space and you're sort of living out of a bag and there's only so many times you can wear the clothes that you have, especially if you've only packed for like a week. <laughs> I Luckily, I sensibly packed two extra shirts. So I actually had 
uh, nine days worth of clothing as opposed to only seven. So, but still, it was it's just you feel a bit grim after a point. And got the airport, got the airport at um, hour and a half before the flight. Mm-hmm. And my flight was cancelled, which is normal. It like happens. And, and also, it's the first day of the sort of school holidays. So, I could uh, appreciate that there would be trouble. The only problem I had with it was that my flight was at 6.15 and the flight they rescheduled me on was at uh, 5.30. Oh my god! So I'd got up. I think we got up at like, yeah, it must have been sort of half three, mm. four, something like that. Got to the airport, and you feel just totally you've ruined because you, no. you're not going to go back to sleep because you totally got like travel wide. You know you're going to have to be wired later and have your head screwed on because you're traveling. So like, I didn't get any sleep, but it was just sort of a weird. I don't know. It's just like a lost day. <laughs> uh, so sort of sitting around waiting for waiting to go. I could didn't didn't really want to go anywhere. Because I get edgy when I travel. Do you not get edgy when you travel? Yeah, massively, yeah. I hate the whole, like, am I going to miss it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a horrible feeling of foreboding that it's all going to go horribly wrong. And when you've already had a flight cancelled, that you, that you uh, thought you were going to get on, that, that feeling has escalated dramatically. Yeah, <laughs> A little bit. And also, it's like, how do you, how do I get back? Because mm. if I get back um, sort of a reasonable hour, get a train or something, and my wife doesn't have to come pick us up. But um, as it turned out, my wife and my daughter did come pick us up oh. at like 11 o'clock. That was very sweet. My daughter was a little bit weirded out by the whole process, <laughs> no. but she took it on the chin, you know. She didn't go to sleep, she just chatted away. But yes, yeah, so it was nice <laughs> to get back in the house, but now I've got that weird, I've just come home. So, like, you know, you have that, like, again, you have that transition period mm-hmm. of a couple of days where you get back and you're like, that's all a bit weird. Oh, yeah, that stuff's over here now, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like it's again, I think it's the, the nature of having small children is little things have changed. Like, uh-huh. well, she's changed for a start. She looks different. It's very weird. Okay, so that's so that, that's normal. That's totally normal because they're at that stage where they're constantly changing and getting a bit taller here. But you notice things, right? Mm-hmm. Someone had built a bench in my front garden. Well, not someone. My father-in-law. But I was just like, <laughs> where the fuck did that bench come from? I don't know. I think it should be illegal, like, when people go on holiday. You shouldn't go, like, building benches out front of the house. It weirds them out. It was very confusing, and it was very late at night, and I, I walked past my house. <laughs> you walked past your own house. It's happened for <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have to. I was like, sure, that's my house, but that's definitely not my bench. <laughs> so, yeah, we had had a little bit of a scene <laughs> moment. But, yeah, I'm just really happy to not be sort of in britain really it's it's not necessarily the greatest place mm. at the moment it's nice to see the family and everything but little things are just just make it really depressing the sort of experience was like lovely it was nice seeing everybody and all the personal interactions were good and we went to like some cool restaurants and stuff but it does feel it's a bit like papering over the cracks because there is just like a lot of a lot of shit that's broken there yeah. man there's a lot of shit that's just not really working and a lot of stuff that just isn't really it's not very nice, and I know it's only one part of of the country. I don't want to speak ill of Newcastle upon Tyne. The sort of cost of living crisis has become a very—it's observable, mm. you know. You can sort of see it in people. Loads of Aldis. I didn't mention that last last time. Like, there's loads of Aldis mm-hmm. opened. Aldis becoming like the supermarket to go to. And I can understand why because I went shopping with my brother. Everything just everything costs sixty quid. <laughs> everything, everything doesn't matter what combination of things you buy. It, and it could be absolutely fucking nothing. It's still 60 quid. I don't know how you save mm. money. Like, I just felt like I was hemorrhaging cash every step of the way. Prices of things are just going up and up, especially if you had to do like a self catering holiday. I, I'd imagine mm. that would be, that would be a bit of a challenge unless you've got a local yeah. Aldi. But yeah, so I'm glad you, you, you looked after Germany for me while I yeah. was away. Everything's still here. Didn't burn that down. It's all good. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, fortunately, fortunately. <laughs> so, um, how was your how was your birthday? Like, what did what what did you get up? It to? was really good. We had a really nice uh, evening and uh, a night. Had a few people over. Not not a lot, but a few. Uh, the corona whittled down the uh, the participants. But yeah, we had a really nice time. I made a glorious spread on the barbecue and got everyone nice and full, and that slowed down the drinking. So nobody got absolutely hammered. Everyone just had a really, really good time. Lots of laughs. And um, yeah, my wife absolutely knocked it out of the park by creating a version of Taskmaster, the TV show for me, <laughs> which was really, really amazingly fun. There was a point in the evening where she disappeared and eventually someone was like, where's where's Yana? And I was just like, I don't know, but it's been about 20 minutes. And then she appeared down the stairs with a cheeky look on her face. She presented me with uh, a printout of Taskmaster and I was like, oh my God, I love it. Man. Uh, and yeah, then we had, I think, five tasks that she created uh, inspired by the show. And I ended up winning. I think, pretty sure it was a fix. Uh, but nonetheless, I won. I tried my best. <laughs> what, were the, what were the tasks? Uh, so there was one, uh, like, throw something in the bucket from the furthest distance. Oh, classic. Yeah. Classic game. Classic Alex Horn game. A few people tried to mess around with hoses and stuff. There was make the best noise. <laughs> That's a really good one. And then you got to yeah, stay like silent for 10 seconds. I blew mine completely because I was going to play the best noise, uh, which was a nice bit of blast music. But I forgot my phone was connected to the Bluetooth and it wouldn't do it. So I stuttered on that one. And yet you still won. I still won. Uh, I won on a tie break. And the tie break was arrange these things. Are they gardening equipment or COVID equipment? And uh, I beat our friend Sturge by uh, half a second. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, the prize was a Tottenham shirt. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think anyone else wanted it. Yeah, I feel like that might have been set up for you to win. Yeah. Um, most definitely. But yeah, I mean, Taskmaster is a fantastic show. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty much everywhere. I'm surprised. I mean, there must be a German version of it. You'd assume so, but uh, I've not seen any evidence of it so far. Because yeah, I would have thought maybe this is not enough comedians. Because <laughs> you've not seen Taskmaster, it's a um, it's a comedy show, comedy competition where they get um, a group of comedians and they just give them really dumbass tasks to do. But obviously, watching them is hilarious, and the way they sort of set it out is really funny. But I would, have, I would have just assumed that there would be a German Taskmaster. Apparently, no, there was one made in 2017, but was never broadcast. So oh, God. It's a mystery episode. <laughs> but, it has bloody, but it has Oliver Pocker in there. Yeah, you know? yeah. he's, he's like the comedian. And I've really no idea why he's ever on television. He got slapped in the face, interestingly, just... I think it was the weekend before... Will Smith did his infamous mm. Oscar slap that uh, everyone seems to be talking about, but um, Oliver Parker beat him to the literally to the punch um, <laughs> by, by getting slapped. And I can't. It was so like I saw a headline and I just was like, "Yeah, probably. <laughs> you probably would." <laughs> if I remember rightly, he blacked up in front of Kim Kardashian. So I'm kind of of the feeling that if you were going to slap anyone, he would be a, a likely candidate. Not that I'm endorsing that kind of behaviour. but It's just it's just a costume, man. Like, what's wrong? It's just it's just a costume. Totally, totally innocent. Oh, God, it's so... Bellens. So fucking cringe, yeah. man. So cringe. Like, there's nothing worse than that. I think there's, there's, there's one thing where it's sort of... It's it's quite insular facing, but it sort of compounds the, the offence, but also the... What's the German word that you have is um, friend, friend charm? Yeah. The sort of sort of embarrassment. It is the embarrassment you have for like the country yeah. and for other people in that environment when you see a German comedian sort of express their racism <laughs> to like 
to the world. It's just uh anyway. So um yeah, so Taskmaster is not a German TV show. I went on a bit of a weird tangent there. I, think. Mm. I didn't expect us to do Oliver Bocker's blackface as a tangent on Taskmaster. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Nobody did blackface at my party. That was the good news. <laughs> no, that's good. Like, it's not a big part of Taskmaster. But I mean, like, Oliver Potter would seem like the obvious candidate to be, like, that's how they'd ruin it. Yeah. That's my assumption. And I can't really think of many other comedians. You probably get some, like, right-wing, uh, <laughs> what they're called. They've got the name here, on not they? The cabaret, cabaret, or the cabarists or something like that. The cabaret performers. And they're essentially just, like, they're just, like, right-wing comedians. Yeah. it's It's, like... Roy Chubby Brown writ large, <laughs> except except probably better dressed or like Jim Davidson. Like it is like having it's like Jim Davidson has a TV show still <laughs> and is on primetime television. That's what it's like sometimes. Bizarre, it's very very weird. Do you reckon? I mean, it probably would have happened before, but if yeah, Stefan Raab, I can imagine trying to host Taskmaster. He's got a bit of a checkered past as well, isn't yeah. he? He's been properly tainted by that competition TV show he had where. Didn't someone accidentally get run over? Schlag them Rob. Was it was a Schlag them star? I can't remember. It was like challenge. I think it was the challenge one where you just challenged him to do it. And as a guy who said they could jump over a car and um, he couldn't. It's a short, <laughs> short story there. And uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a big scandal around it. I think it ended up with the TV show going off the air because I remember it was a big thing when I first moved. But I feel like I might be telling tales out of school. Yeah, I thought he just made so much money that he didn't need any more. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of that. Maybe it's just like, fuck this shit. I don't need this hassle anymore. Hmm. I know he had a board game. I always thought that was a curious, <laughs> curious thing. So like, who's who the fuck is going home and going like, do you know what? I, I want to play this board game. Weirdly, at Christmas, I actually played a couple of games from <laughs> Schlagden Star. Wow. Um, yeah. My, my brother-in-law, he created a little like competition for us to do to decide who won which present. Oh, but it was like a homemade thing. No, there were, no, there were tools from the game right. um, so like one was like a ball on a string and you had to get the ball on the string and it had like the branding of Schlagden Star on it um, but yeah it worked I enjoyed it I didn't think about Stefan Raab at the time yeah moving on uh, Simon we've got quite a pertinent uh, announcement mm-hmm. this is announcement what's the name of the show Decades From Home Who's uh, who's been here a decade our boy Stuart yes Stuart well done, yeah, well Stuart. done. 10 years in Deutschland 10 years 10 years for the Scottish uh... for the Scottish Franconian I yeah, think yeah so yeah congratulations to our Scottish Franconian friend who's yeah. Uh, yeah it's a big it's a big milestone I'm not sure what you do this, I don't know if I celebrated my decade I think I just went about my business as usual mm-hmm. that's, that's how you show you've been in Germany <laughs> 10 years oh yeah you acknowledge it and you move on. Yeah, I sort of <laughs> tipped my cap to the sky and then went about my business. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not bad. But he's also, weirdly given, he's celebrating his anniversary, he's given you a gift. Well, I mean, I, I'm assuming I'm giving him money for this at some point. Uh, <laughs> oh no, he said it was free. Email me your PayPal. I'm pretty too. sure he said it was free. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the really exciting things uh, that's happening at the moment in the second Bundesliga is that there is a real possibility that the final game of the season could be a promotion decider. And not only a promotion decider, but a promotion decider between a Freundschaftsspiel. So it's totally possible that Schalke, who are currently top of the second Bundesliga, 
might have already secured promotion on the final game of the season against Nuremberg. And wow. in that game, it is also possible that if Nuremberg win, they too get promotion. So it is technically possible that an already promoted Schalke might just turn up drunk and let Nuremberg win. And then both groups of fans who love each other dearly just get drunk on free beer, which happens sometimes oh on the final God. game of the season. It's going to be an absolute party. And yeah, Stu has sorted out tickets for us through his club connections. So massive, massive hearty shout out. And I'm very much looking forward to the final game of the season and the Max Morlock. That'll be a total blast to go there. Like at the end, did they do that thing where the, is it, what's the money they're saving? Because they do that all for the whole season. Is it, is it something to do with the amount of goals they score is the amount of gallons of beer that they'll, or litres of beer they'll distribute? So if you have like a particularly high scoring season, yeah, I don't know how many goals are on at the moment. So they have scored a total of forty four goals. That's forty four liters of uh, um, forty four. Is it forty four gallons? It can't be forty four liters. That seems a very small amount of beer. Yeah, forty four liters of forty four gallons is not very much. <laughs> forty four thousand liters. I don't, know, I don't know how it works. Maybe it's like maybe it's like a. 100 litres per goal. I can't remember exactly what it is. All I know is every time I've seen any um, footage from it on, on Stuart's phone or he's taken any photos, it's just basically totally blasted Nuremberg fans, like yeah. weighed out by, I don't know, eight pints of beer, probably. That sounds about right, a good amount <laughs> to, to have imbibed. But it's a, it's a crazy way to end the season and definitely something you'd never do in Britain for obvious reasons. But mm. So I can't believe, though, that there would be a system in place that would mean that Schalke could essentially give Nuremberg a buy into the the playoffs or into the um, promotion places at least. I'm I'm sure they would act as professionally as possible. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I already get I already feel like anxious whenever Schalke and Nuremberg play because I feel like I feel like that Freundschaft thing. I don't because do you know how Germans when they make a friendship it's like a real friendship and when British people mm-hmm. make a friendship the the sort of connection isn't as is solid as as you'd want and so it's subject to like a bad tackle destroying <laughs> like decades worth of friendship between these two teams yeah i don't know i think these things seem to be pretty solid and i i'm very optimistic i mean there's still a lot to happen at the moment nuremberg are in fifth and um, 49 points schalke in first on 53 and there's verda FC St. Pauli and Darmstadt between them. So, I mean, there's a lot to do for Nombo to get into a possible promotion place. But if they play their cards right, it could happen for sure. It's so funny because you'd think of something like that in Britain and that kind of scale of game and the police presence would be yeah, like full on. Because there is no like friendship games really between teams. There's like weird derbies and weird rivalries that teams have. Like, um, is it Brighton and Crystal Palace? Yeah, hate, hate each other. Each other. Like that. They really hate each other. <laughs> Incomprehensible. You can sort of get the geographical rivalry, but I can't really get those rivalries that were because the, I think that was because of a bad challenge or a bad tackle that happened many moves. Yeah, some ago. FA Cup fixture back in the day. I think that soured relationship to this day. It's very tribal and weird. I just feel like there's the Germans are, are more capable of these sort of. It's like I, I do think it's that compartmentalization thing. Is like this is the football and we are friends. <laughs> you know? Whereas in Britain, it's like we hate everybody, we're the best, blah blah. It's sort of that's the difference, really. <laughs> but I do, I do definitely appreciate it. Oh, we have friendly rivalries is probably the closest we'll ever get to Freundschaft uh, Spieler. It's not really as as convivial, I think, in in Premier League or in the the National League as it is in apparently in Germany, or at least in these these sequences. I mean, there's a few clubs that I don't hate playing, 
Like, obviously, my friendship with you has meant that when I when it comes to the fixture against Newcastle, like, I'm I'm quite I'm like okay, it's nice. We go going to the northeast. I prefer we don't talk about what happened. Like, yeah, we did give you a good hump in this year, but I mean, there have been plenty of plenty of plenty of times when Newcastle's turned us over. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. Swings and roundabouts. I don't begrudge any of it. I definitely enjoy those games slightly more. Not and it's not like we'd even take the piss out of each other for it. Like maybe if we we're in the pub, but even then, we've watched those games before, and I don't remember it being a particularly fractious event. No. So maybe there's like a personal, personal frustration. I think we're just nice people who respect that the other one's feeling down when yeah, we're losing, exactly. and don't decide to kick it, kick the one who's down. What's the point of being a sports yeah. fan if that's not something you can get away with? You know, so many people enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good to see it. I hope you take lots of. Uh, Lots of photos. I'll be interested to see what or how the whole thing has changed since since Corona and all that. Because there'll be there'll probably be weird new rules about where you can drink and where you can stand that they've introduced. Well, they're limiting, it, I think, to fifty thousand, mm. which isn't much less a capacity. But yeah, it's going to be a good good week. Fifteenth um, mm. is the game, and then twentieth is my wife's birthday, and on the twenty first, I'm going to a punk wow. rock festival. So the good days are back. I'm I'm ready to get Corona, <laughs> ready for round two. And that's my sort of feeling on it after having it. Is it, it's just that's kind of going to be the the gamble. I can't see how you really you can wear your mask and everything, but eventually, I think it's just a matter of time. Particularly, I think if you've had it, you're probably better protected and you're boosted. That would be. I'm not. This is not scientific at all. <laughs> this is just mm. me thinking about it. But I, I would assume having had it, it would give you some kind of. Well, it does give you some kind of protection, but I was looking at a festival my brother was talking about going to in Augsburg in September, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's probably a place where you'll get you'll get covered." It feels like that. Mm. Certainly in Britain, it just felt like that wasn't it was doesn't even a topic of conversation. Some people wore masks, most people didn't, and it wasn't even discussed in the news. No. Except the only the reason it was discussed is because yeah, I got it. Weird. But aside from that, it wasn't really a biggie to be honest. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the mask mandate has been lifted here in Germany as well, and it is a bit surreal going to, like, a petrol station and there's some people not wearing masks or in the supermarket. I saw a couple, and they must have both been in their late 50s. Neither looked very healthy, and they decided to take their elderly father on a wheelchair ride around my local Edeka. No masks on any of them. People are just getting on with their lives again and it's going to be quite sad to see the numbers spike and deaths spike again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of it because it's because it's so not a topic anymore it's just oh well if you get if you get it to your own fault mm. that's i mean that kind of how, how it feels like we're going to go back to in-person teaching i think that's the majority of people are going to do that okay i think the schools have obviously got rid of masks which has turned so, the schools into a massive vector for mm. for covid I, I know that that's a big issue i mean they had the vote on mandatory vaccinations couldn't get that through yeah it's proper wrangling i watched i sort of watched the proceedings i was interested to see if they could actually get it through because they had like several plans from like everyone over the age of 18 and then it was everyone over the age of 30 and i think the final one was something like over the age of 60 yeah. and it was just a lot of like horse trading and it turned out none of them really got a majority and so none of them got passed and it was a lot of like call louter back fails mm. and that was a, a lot of the sort of headlines and that's kind of like i feel i feel for louter back i don't think it's his failure i think it's a failure of everyone yeah. else i don't think it's like he's failed to do his job i don't know how you corral people because i think a lot of people don't want to just don't want to wear masks yeah 
They're sick of fucking wearing masks. They're sick of not doing stuff. I don't know how you can compel large groups of people once they're basically decided they can't be fucked to do something. Mm. Money. <laughs> Cattle prods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's weird. It really is. But yeah, for Freiheit, freedom, way. I think as it gets warmer, I mean, we knew that from the last two, two rounds. As it gets warmer, I think it'll be better. So I imagine by May, going to like... A punk festival will probably be all right. I mean, you'd be in your own tent and stuff. No, it's, it's only a one-day thing, so it's just... Ah, oh, right, yeah. okay. Open air, though. Yeah, yeah, it's in the stadium as well, so I, I'm going to Max Morlock a couple of times. Who's who's playing like? Uh, it's the Punk and Droplet Tour, um, so it's basically Fat Records, um, the punk label founded by NoFX. Uh, so the headline act is Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, mm-hmm. who do, like, punk rock covers and punk rock covers of, like, opera songs and 60s rockers and shit like that. Face to Face are playing. Uh, but the band I'm most excited about are a band called uh, Days and Days. Oh, shit, uh, are they playing? They're playing. Oh, That's, like, the no whole way. reason I'm, like, I'm going. Oh, yeah, come no on, way. I'm assuming there's, no t- there's no tickets left. No, there's tickets still available. When, when is it? 21st of May. Day after, day after my wife's birthday. So you'll be in Nuremberg, maybe. Make a weekend of it. But yeah, if we, if there's tickets available and it's possible to get one. Days for days and days, I'll fucking, I'll, I'm do, so, yeah. I'll do it. It's going to be great. It'll be fucking mint. I only know like five of their songs, but... They're all good. Five, <laughs> they're all fucking good. They are really good. Ah, oh, it's exciting. Yeah. That's really mint. Plus. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've, like, you're sort of slowly coming back to... I don't know. I, yeah, I fucking hate when people say new normal, but you know what I mean? It's sort of coming back to yeah. doing stuff and outside and I've been away. Um, I still doesn't feel particularly normal, but I'm kind of fingers crossed for autumn. I'm not that worried about the summer, but I, I, I'm just sick of fucking lockdowns. I'm sick of, I don't care so much about wearing masks, but I do want to do like some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to just do fuck all. Yeah, there's an air of optimism about these things at the moment, which is nice. Even if it all goes tits up, just to have some optimism for the first time in a couple of years yeah. is, is a nice change of pace. Certainly. Last Easter, I was in a lot, I had to go into lockdown because I got, yeah, I was at a contact tracing mm-hmm. or whatever. I, do you know the thing I was doing when I was there? I was trying to remember all the like really strict rules when I was over in Britain that were hard in Germany because mm-hmm. I felt like that would at least keep me on the straight and narrow. But obviously, it didn't really work I think, <laughs> I think that's the case is like i think you just take your mask off and you you're damned essentially that's kind of how i felt but in the, if you're in the open air i think it's generally going to be a, a better experience i hoping maybe there's a renaissance in like open air festivals and like more open air events because mm. it's better to do that than uh, to be in some kind of closed market space yeah. or whatever maybe get rid of some of them fucking moles I fucking hate those <laughs> There's so many in Britain as well. There's so many in Newcastle like these. I was avoiding them like the plague. Because usually you take a shortcut because you go through like a mall. Mm-hmm. And I was having to go the long way everywhere because I was just like, I'm not going to walk through <laughs> that shopping centre because uh, it's pure deadly. But there is, there seems to be, there's just, there is a lot of like shopping centres, a lot of very generic shops as well. That was something I noticed when I came back. I went into Augsburg to sort of mooch around for a bit. It's quite nice weather the other day. And um, I felt like, yeah, you got H and M and C and A and Schmied and shit like that. But like most places have like local shops and local bookshops, yeah, and local bakeries, rest like not just restaurants, but also like handbag shops, pharmacies, that kind of stuff. Mm. Whereas in Britain, it just felt like all the streets look the same. Yeah. It's like, there's the H and M, there's the Poundland, there's the Primark, and everywhere like Sheffield looked the same as well. It had all the same shops. 
And it's just like JD Sports, Greg's, course, Next, Costa. Gre- I mean, I mean, you've got to have Greg's, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy if they're on every street. Yeah, let's not talk. I, I got upset about how, how you were having Greg's and I wasn't. So let's not talk. About <laughs> did that. you get jealous? Did yeah, you? I did get jealous. Yeah, I did. Of course I did. I, did. <laughs> I filled my boots like I did take advantage. Don't worry, your time will come. Yeah. And if I remember rightly, I think you I think you sent us a photo of you eating Greg's. It was a beautiful moment. I think you sent a photo to me about a couple of years ago. And it was you were just enjoying a Greg's sausage roll. And I was like, damn you! <laughs> Unfortunately, I live down in the Pret-a-Manger part of the UK. It's, hard, it's harder and harder yeah. to find a Greg's. Someone said that to me the other day. It was like, oh, have you not got a Pret? And I was like, <laughs> no. I know they don't have. I've, I mean, got, maybe I've got a pet. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I've never really got Pret-a-Manger. It's like just really ex- shit coffee. And it's just like Starbucks. But everyone talks about it like it's a gastronomical sort of moment in time. I don't really understand why. Don't You don't like mangering <laughs> in a Pret-a-Manger. I, I just always, I mean, maybe this is the working class nature of, of being in Newcastle. I did, it's the smaller, it was a, the smallest of the coffee shops, so you wouldn't, practically I wouldn't go because it was just uncomfortable to queue in as a British person. Like, it just felt very uncomfortable. So I wouldn't go there for my coffee. But it also, it just seemed, it just seemed pretentious. And people who went, oh, I'm go. do you go to Pret? I was like, you just sound pretentious. Mm-hmm. So, like... Uh, that probably says a lot more about me than it does about them, but uh, that's just how I felt about it. I was kind of like, I'll just go to Costa. I feel I mean, I'm more comfortable. I feel it ring, rings off my Geordie accent a bit, a Costa coffee. I mean, it's, it's brave of you to be so brazenly anti-French here on the show. So, yeah, that's that's fine. You do you. I wouldn't say anti-French, but definitely not pro-French. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the Englishman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's the dichotomy that I have inside me of the German who wants to be sort of European and the British person who um, isn't, I guess. <laughs> hates everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Just hates everyone. Look at my island. It's great. It's the best I've, of all the islands. Um, yeah, there's a lot of blue passports. Saw that. That was another thing that I saw. Fuck tons of blue passports. This is a bit of a scattergun episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to go even weirder when we start playing random sections from the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, listener, we've uh, actually got like a quite a, a fun thing that we want to try and do. We uncovered some lost footage. Is that Nick's been in the vault? <laughs> yeah, I was in the vault. I came across some like parts of episodes that I'd, I'd lost, and I was like, oh, well, they were quite good, and we did intend to use them, but we never really worked out when. And since I'm sort of still recovering from COVID, and Simon's got a very important guest. My mum, my mum's downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to play you these episodes. So we have a section on hobbies, and uh, the section on hobbies discusses my very weird hobby. So do enjoy that. Um, <laughs> we're also going to talk about other people's weird hobbies, and we have a, a guy who collects bins yeah it's a strange conversation if you're looking for a new collection to start why not go for bins hey he's got a fine collection of bins got the skinny up next (laughs) and the final section that we've probably got hopefully if we can uncover it and blow the dust off it is discussing the funny names that football teams have yeah it's as close as we'll ever get to commercial radio so (laughs) enjoy it while you can um with no commercials so um, we'll speak to you all next week, listener. Ciao. <laughs> we talked about British hobbies and, and whether they exist in Germany and if they are, are popular in Germany. But sometimes, like when you move to a different country, you like lose your hobbies. Some of them are location based, and and it's certainly the case for me that I lost a hobby when I moved, and it's something that I gave up. That I often think about. 
Uh, and it's a hobby that I often have a lot of trouble talking about because I think there's already like quite a, yeah, there's quite a lot of, it's not stigma, but there's a lot of sort of assumptions made about the people who do it. Yeah. But uh, I used to be part of the Sealed Knot Battle Reenactment Society that reenacted or does still reenact uh, 17th century battles uh, of the uh, English Civil Wars and more the British Civil Wars, depending on which historical perspective you have. And I gave that up when I moved uh, and it was it was one of the best hobbies, but it's one that everyone always has questions about. Everyone always <laughs> wants to know more about it. Uh, I get a lot of stick from my mates for when I talk about it because I love it. I love it so much, and I've done it since I was nine years old. So I've like grown up with it as well. Uh, and so for me, it was it's always been quite normal. It's normal, but I appreciate how extreme it must look from the outside. But I, I love it. It's great. And and one of the the great things about it is that in Britain. We have in the sealed not the largest reenactment society in Europe, and so at any major event you could have thousands of people reenacting major battles, and it's not a situation where it is, it's it's all plastic swords and and people go shouting bang when they fire their guns. <laughs> it's like full gas, man. It's like, and this is why it's enjoyable. Is like it's real gunpowder, real cannons real horses real swords okay okay they're, they're blunt because we're not insane but um <laughs> all all everything is meant to be as accurate as possible that's a big push from the society is that accuracy is key they do a lot of research they follow a lot of the historical record and they'll change things when new evidence is presented and i remember mm-hmm. a lot of different debates about uniforms there was discussions about different different pieces of of equipment and about the change stuff and we've been through a few periods of that and it's and it's basically like a massive festival essentially you sort of turn up for a weekend and it's like a music festival without the music and instead of the music you just have a massive fight and it's organized really carefully as well because if you've got if you've got a cannon firing on the field, you don't want to be in front of a cannon because it will literally <laughs> rupture your insides. People think, oh, you get burnt by it because there's a massive flame that comes out the end. It's like, no, it's the shockwave that'll kill you, like that'll just like shatter your guts, basically. Mm. Um, same with a musket block firing muskets. It's not something you want to stand in front of too closely. Uh, and we'd, you'd get massive, because we'd do them in national trust sites and, and different locations. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of people coming to watch and it was always a bit of a buzz having a fight. And it's also, it's, it, it, I was a pikeman, so I didn't have a musket or a sword. I just have a 16 foot stick. And essentially what the job of a pikeman during the civil war was to pin down infantry so the musketeers could shoot them. But since we're not firing real shot, there's like a, a process that's developed called the pike push, which is essentially a rugby scrum with 16 foot sticks and armor and everything and it's it's so good and a few years back this is going back maybe four or five years um i went back to the uk for a weekend to do this on an august bank holiday it was beautiful sunny weekend and we got onto the battlefield and it's all timed and everything's organized and everyone has a a script to follow because we're reenacting actual battles we can't just make it up as we go along while having cavalry charges and cannons and so forth and so we get on the field and someone goes is that the german regiment and i was like what and they were like oh the german regiment and I was like, what German regiment? And you looked across the field and these these fancy motherfuckers, right, were in the most ornate uh, breeches, all different colours, and they looked really fancy compared to us. We look like sort of downtrodden infantry as we should do, you know? <laughs> and these guys look like brand new. 
And I was like, please, can we fight them? Please, can we fight them? I really want to fight them. And we got a bit closer to them and I started like haranguing them in German from across the battlefield. And I was like, <laughs> I was like shouting like, um, um, Venice to Nexus, Zug nach Genf. And uh, <laughs> just stupid, stupid shit. Historically accurate. Yeah, just like how, and to get their attention because you, you could see some of them going like, what, is he speaking German at us? And I was just shouting like words at them. And we got into we got into a fight with them, which was great. And we got in really close, and so close. You're so close to them that you can like just converse because you sort of smash together. And there's a static moment where you sort of turn in this block of like forty blokes sort of moving around. And uh, I was chatting to the guy next to us, and I was like, "For uh, a common scene," he's like, "Memmingen," like Memmingen, <laughs> and I was like, "Memmingen's just down the road from me. It's like forty five minutes away." Yeah. And I was like, "All right," and I looked it up, and battle reenactments are a massive thing in germany that i just didn't know about uh there is a wallenstein fest and wallenstein is yeah basically concurrent with the period that i, I i've done in the 17th century it's it's uh the 30 years war and wallenstein mm-hmm. was one of the war leaders for the catholics or for the spanish essentially there's a lot of places that do these festivals but there's this massive one in memmingham every four years where they turn the entire town into an armed camp and i've heard about it and it was only in that moment i was like right and then i went to see them i think in 2018 to may was it 2018 or maybe i'm wrong or maybe it was a bit earlier but it was fantastic not very accurate but fantastic but because i'd sort of interacted with them they came and visited me in our campsite and brought like beer and so we got to know them a bit got some phone numbers and stuff from them uh, then i think it was was it two years ago we did one and they, they were back again, and it, and they turned up this time. They, they, they turned up in small numbers last time, in like five five years ago, six years ago. I can't remember what it was. And then two years ago, they turned up, and they did it proper. They turned up in a coach, turned up with like, there was about 300 of them. Wow. They had brought their own tents, obviously, because that's what you have to bring. But they brought their own beer tent. And more importantly, <laughs> they brought their own beer, right? So they had their own mini beer tent that everyone on the campsite was trying to get into. <laughs> and I saw them on the first day. I didn't know they were at the battle. I saw them on the first day. We were, we were fighting and someone just went, Sovosnik! And I was like, what? Like in the middle of the battlefield, smoke everywhere. <laughs> Couldn't really hear or see anything. I turned around and this is one of the guys that I'd said, I was like, hey, servos. And I said, like, where are you camped? He's like, over here, you've got to come for a beer. And I was like, yeah, no problem. We went over and talked to them. And he's like, yeah, you've got to come and join us. You, you come and fight with us. And I was like, oh yeah, that'll be amazing. <laughs> so I'm hoping once the pandemic sort of resolves itself that I'll be able to go to Birmingham and yeah. Kick the shit out of some uh, some pikemen, which is one of the most fun things you can do of a weekend. It sounds like a special episode in the making. That me standing on the sideline commentating <laughs> on something. I have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the worst bit of them. You do have commentators because you have crowds and they need to know what's happening, uh-huh. and the commentators are sometimes the worst. Like the way you just hear them across the battlefield in between like gunshots and stuff, and you're like. Oh God, is he? Is that him again? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's but it's it's such a it's such a fun experience. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of partying. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of drilling. There's all that stuff involved. But it is just like the most fun ever. And because Memmingham's a bit more relaxed, I'm hoping there'll be a bit more drinking than fighting and, <laughs> and drilling and things like that. And a lot of it seems to involve sitting around a campsite. So I'm hoping to get involved. But I'll also, I think. I'd be the only Englishman fighting in their regiment, possibly ever. So that just just that alone would be worth <laughs> would be worth the experience. 
but it's a really popular it's a really popular hobby there's a lot of different reenactment groups uh from the romans to the medieval period 30 years war napoleonic war yeah there's there's lots of different reenactment societies and, and, and that i was quite surprised i didn't realize how many there were until i started doing research for this it's, it's, it's interesting it's unexpected i have to say so I, I think my instinct is what most english people would be it's like germans reenacting the second world war probably isn't a great thing and then it's like of course they're not doing that very often like, yeah no there's no second second world war reenactment yeah. at all uh, but a yeah. lot in britain though Battle of Chutabo Forest and the like, I can imagine that being a very popular mm-hmm. one uh, to reenact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, running around, smashing in Romans. I'm sure that that probably feels good for your national <laughs> psyche. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've seen that. Have you seen the Russian, the Russian mast pitched fights that they have? No. Where everyone's in armor. Like, you can look them up on YouTube. They're quite terrifying. I wouldn't get involved in that. And I know things like medieval sports have become popular. Mm-hmm. So you get people who are essentially just battering the crap out of each other with with swords and and so forth and i think that's quite a that's probably more than what i'd want to do part of the fun of of doing this is it's it's not it's not serious you're not getting into any punch-ups and that mm-hmm. but in saying that the world war ii guys generally get a lot of shit because you get those people who like to dress up as the wehrmacht in britain yes. or they like to dress up as in the gestapo and no one likes them like no one likes those people at all I've seen, like, I've had experiences where I've, people have wanted to kick the shit out of them because they were just like, "Why the fuck would you want to dress up as one of, as a Nazi? You fucking lunatic!" It is. It's a very, very troubling insight into someone's psyche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really weird. But when it when it works, it works really well. I mean, recently there was a anniversary of the Battle of Waterloo, and they reenacted mm-hmm. it, and you can see online how many people are fighting it, and they do it almost exactly to the times and on the same battlefield. And that's something I've only I've only once or twice fought on the same battlefield. There was an actual battlefield, and there is a real there's a palpable sense of something mm-hmm. in the air when you sort of. I remember standing, we were all in full kit. There was no like signs of modernity anywhere. No one's wearing fucking watches and no one's got the phones on them or anything. It was just like there was probably about four or five hundred of us waiting to get on the field next to this hedgerow. Here you could hear the bangs and you could sort of smell the gunpowder, which sm- stinks like eggs. That's something they don't tell you. It just smells like eggs in it's the air. <laughs> like someone's yeah. just Yeah, yeah, exactly. We were waiting in this hedge by by this hedgerow and it just you could feel it. You could feel like this like we're as, as close as you're ever going to get to a 17th century army fighting on the battlefield where thousands of 17th century soldiers died and you just felt it in the air it was really really and, and i've always enjoyed that part of history where you can f- almost reach out and touch it and certainly on those days where you could actually you, it was a real tangible thing it it felt like the connection was like the sort of disconnect sorry but it was was almost gone i think that's the really interesting part about it i think when a lot of people think about reenactment they think about american civil war loonies running around yeah yeah and there's those two yeah yeah i'm sure there's plenty of them but yeah i think that the gravitas of of, of the seal not in particular like the 17th century wars is not who who ray henry's firing guns at each other like it's, it's a lot more there's gravitas to it and a respect to it that i i there is a part of me that wants to make fun because it is kind of there is a there's a little bit of it that's like larping in my head because I have no connection to it. Oh yeah, but I do respect the 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 adherence to the history and the fact that everyone's doing it with the best possible intention. I, um, I, I promise you, every stereotype that you have about someone who might do battle reenactments exists in fully mm-hmm. th- rendered three D. Um, 
like, <laughs> I've met some very, very strange people. But we're all sort of history geeks. So we're all like history yeah. geeks together. So, and it's interesting when new people arrive because the first, the, the, the reaction is to go like, oh, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Mm. But after a weekend, most of the time they're like, oh, like when we're doing this again. Yeah, yeah. Because the atmosphere, the environment, it's le- very, it's not as judgy. And it's just fun. It's like, and and you have your own regiment. That I've been in the same regiment since I was nine. Like, and it's the same for a lot of people. The people who organise it take it seriously because this is a health and safety matter. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen some horrific injuries on the battlefield. I've seen people getting like their legs broken. I've, I've done my knees in. I've done my back in. I've seen people like have chunks taken out of them. You know, like bad things can happen. And so there is a lot of health and safety. And so there is a lot of seriousness from the officers because you have to be organized. You have mm. to have people in charge, right? You can't just be a Viking mob, like screaming across a field and then like pretending to hit each other. You want to make it as look as good as possible. It's why we're used as extras in a lot of films as well, because mm-hmm. with all the kit we've got, it looks authentic. We know all the commands. You, you've got an organized army, essentially. As long as they're not totally pissed. Uh, <laughs> which is it's not always... A, not always a uh, unheard of thing. Those people take it very seriously because they have to, and they've taken that responsibility. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people are just there to have a laugh and just like kick up a fuss on the battlefield and then drink ten pints in a beer tent, which is basically <laughs> what. <laughs> what, I, yeah, what you're we selling do. it. You're yeah. selling it for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll see if I get some new recruits coming to Memmingham when it's on. You'll see me. I'll be the one getting my head kicked in by a angry bunch of uh, peasants. Uh, <laughs> Now, not everyone wants to get into a field and punch the shit out of each other. Some people want a far Why not? lower intensity <laughs> hobby. And of course, collecting things uh, is one of the most popular things to do. Nick, do you collect anything? Okay, I've got a few action figures few action in my figures. office. Okay. But like, uh, I'm not, not, they're not taking over or anything. But I can't say I'm actively collecting anything. Dust, okay. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a ver- it's a very cheap entry-level collection as dust. It's good. <laughs> it's very low maintenance. <laughs> now, whilst we were doing the research for this, I was like, I was wondering, what are some strange things that people collect in Germany? And we have found a couple of really beautiful ones. I- I've titled this The Bin Boys of Germany because there- there's more than one. Um, and so this one focuses on a young man uh, from the town of Seller. Uh, I lived in Cellar, so that's why he has made the cut on this episode. So it's a 20-year-old from Cellar who's collecting what he's describing as special pieces. And he describes it as like stamp collecting. Of course, stamp collecting was a hugely popular hobby. It's now Mm -hmm. tailing off pretty dramatically because who gives a shit about stamps <laughs> sorry sorry granddad you really did give a shit about stamps you not got an email or a text message man <laughs> so this young man who describes it like collecting stamps is actually collecting bins yeah yeah he's collecting bins he's got a lot of them as well <laughs> yeah he has got a lot he's got uh, 80 full-size bins and 300 miniature model bins. So that's that's a healthy collection of anything. I was more interested in the model bins. They looked like wild. I was like, who makes model bins? Like, they were probably, like, well-manufactured products. And I was like, who? Must be the companies making, like... Yeah, but I say Sulo, I imagine. <laughs> that's the only bin company I can name off the top of my head. I couldn't even name one. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a vast collection. But they're all, like, they look they're exactly as, as it says on the tin. They're miniature versions of the actual product. So they all open and yeah. look and... And it seemed to be genuine replicas, but in miniature. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know. I've never heard of a company doing model bins, but there you go. 
Well, if you play your cards right, next Christmas, you might oh, <laughs> get a model bin. Excellent. That's all I've ever wanted since I've read this story. <laughs> <laughs> so like all collectors, what he's really trying to do is preserve history, uh, which, yeah, we're about that on this show, uh, as I you just heard from yeah. Nick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can hardly say I've got nothing to comment. I agree. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> and just like most things these days, the quality is dropping. Uh, so he says, especially in the last 20 years, uh, the quality of the materials and, and the and the the strategy of these bins is disappearing. He said it's drastically reduced. And I mentioned strategy because that's what he's looking for. There was one bin built, only given out in a cellar, that has a special clip on the front that allowed for the smoothest possible picking up by the mechanism to control a bin and dump it in the lorry. Smolyanovich is his name, is looking for this. He describes it as being built in the beginning of the 70s and... From 79, this uh, this step, the Stufenkam, became standard. So if you live in cellar and you have a very, very old bin, uh, he is offering 50 euros if you have the right one. Uh, so if you want to get hold of him, uh, email is alexandersmoljanovic at gmail.com. So Google him if you think you have a bin worth 50 euros. Yeah, so it's a hobby that takes up a lot of space, right? Because how much space does anyone have for loads of bins? How many bins did you say you had? 80? He's got 80. I've got three outside my house, and that's that's a lot of space. Yeah. So he needs a lot of space for his collection. I suppose 300 miniature bins takes up quite a lot of space as well, mm-hmm. but probably less than the full-size ones. I like the uh, the image in the in the news report, and he was just standing with all his bins. Yeah. And there's like loads of different big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's not every day that we get to use an article from the uh Zeitung, <laughs> cz.de so yeah i think it's a first it is definitely a first uh, so smoljanovic is not only looking for the this special bin from seller and from the 70s he's also on a quest for the oldest plastic bin in the world and this is apparently going to be in berlin so again if you have a really really old bin in berlin look up Mr. Smolyanovich, you might be able to make some money out of your bin. Check out and see if you've got a really old bin. It's like from the 60s or something is the oldest bin, oldest plastic bin in the world. I don't know. I mean, if all the hobbies you can get collecting seems to be a big one. So it's quite popular. It's harmless fun. He even likened it to collecting stamps. He said it's the thing that makes it rare is is generally if there's like a, maybe some kind of manufactural defect or the color mm-hmm. or the shape. Or in this instance, where it's got like a some kind of interesting addition that makes it slightly different from all the others. Um, but yeah, I mean, good luck to him. I guess he needs to build another house in order to store all his bins in it. <laughs> so if none of the teams we've spoken about work for you then let's just round this off with some funny ones uh, because there are some clubs with rude sounding names and some clubs with some funny sounding names so you have to start off fc sex owl in the tiny village of freiburg in southern baden so sex owl yes please <laughs> it just sounds like a terrible terrible accident has occurred it's like it's like i'm not sure if it's, there's a question mark after the sex sex ow <laughs> Um, or maybe it's like, maybe it's a way of sort of attracting a, a partner and going, sex out. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Barden is like the center of the BDSM culture. Sex out, sex out. <laughs> That's the chance. <laughs>
Oh, yeah, I think I found my 13. <laughs> or can I interest you in Heimendorfer SV, <laughs> the Heimen villages from the far north, near the North Sea, north of Bremen and west of Hamburg. So if, if Holstein Kiel isn't north enough, Heimendorfer. I mean, I feel, I feel sorry for a team that has, I don't know if it's not Heimen in German, clearly, but it's, no. yeah, I feel that they don't know. It's like unfair because they don't know how, how rude that is in English. <laughs> Okay, next one we have SV Subtits. <laughs> uh, this is Saxony, northeast of Leipzig. No, say the full say the full thing. <laughs> say the full thing that's in the script. It's meant. The tits hail from Saxony, <laughs> northeast of Leipzig. And they're currently in the ESV Delicht in the Urkrutzlicher Nord Saxon Liga. Uh, that's a league I'm not particularly. I tell you what, listener, I am so glad that Simon is not making me say any of these things because <laughs> I would have had a terrible time. But yeah, subtits is, is a funny one. <laughs> subtits. <laughs> it's like waving. Subtits. Answers on a postcard. <laughs> okay, DJK Porndorf. That's not a real that's not a real team. I'm Googling this. You you tell the listener, but I don't believe this is a real team. <laughs> it's it's west of Passau. It's actually a bit naughtier because it's exclusively a youth club. Uh DJK Plus. stands for Deutsche Jungenkraft. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> I don't even know if we can put this in the, <laughs> in the podcast. Yeah, it's a very, like, what does that word mean? Like, I need to know. I need to, I'm going to do some, some astute Googling while in the background. But like, what is, I can't believe that that's the name of their club. Uh, oh no, we've only got, we've only got porno and that's the, yeah. Very, just, I don't, let's move on. I feel uncomfortable. This is too much like sex chat. I'm getting uncomfortable here. Move on. Okay, okay. We have one more in this section, which is TSV Asling. Um, another Bavaria team, Asling, uh, started in 1932, uh, 45 kilometers southeast of Munich. Are their kits brown? That's my question. <laughs> like, I feel like that might be, that might be uh, fair. They're probably not. Oh no, they're they're black. Black and red is the options. Okay, Interesting. Nice. Okay. Strong colours. Strong. I'll finish with a couple of just odd names. They might not be rude. D Car Dombrasco Bamberg. D Car Dombrasco. Yeah. So this is Bamberg, uh Catholic Northern Bavaria. And this is a youth team founded by a priest in the fifties and named in honour of Saint Giovanni Bosco, an apparently famous Italian priest in the nineteenth century. I mean Bosco's a very solid Bosco. No. Yeah, it's got a lot of power to it. Yeah, there's a lot of places, a lot of things named after him. Loads of different locations. It's all over the world as well. No. Don Bosco College of Engineering in Goa, India. Don wow. Bosco Technical Institute. Next up, Vomatio Worms. Um, so Worms is already a pretty funny name for a city. But if you add the same name again in Latin, you get Vomatio Worms. So VFR Vomatio Worms 08. Uh, is the team. So Worm Worms <laughs> 08. The regional team, order. Yeah. Yeah, nice. That's what we're going for. They've got quite a fun crest, crest as well. The crest is a dragon. Yeah, that's what you want. A, dra- a dragon being ridden by a worm. No, no. Um, just a dragon and a key and a star. And there's a bit of red in there as well. So that's quite fun. But uh, they look... Oh, they got they got a fun stadium as well. There's a, there's a lovely picture online uh, of them when they played Werder Bremen. And they've got um, one of these uh, fun... What do they call it when Dortmund do it? They have these sort of fan... Choreo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it looks like asterisks and obelisks, except 
Um, Obelix is not wearing blue and white trousers. He's wearing red and white trousers to match the color of the team. So that's quite fun. I like. I like. It's quite a small stadium, but they're they're going hell for leather uh, <laughs> with their with their uh, fan experience. So, do you like the police? There are options. Take for example, <laughs> Polizei SV Flensburg Drei. Uh, so the third team of a police department. Uh, so penultimately, we have TSV Rot and the Rot. Uh, so yes, translated red on the red. So this is the town of Rot, which is also on the river Rot. Uh, so red on red. If you like red, that's the team, yeah. surely. And they wear and they wear blue kits. <laughs> Do they really? I didn't. Check. No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure they wear red, but I really wish they did. That would be hilarious if they didn't wear red kits. Uh, and of course they're wearing red kits. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they've got they've got a griffin on their badge. That's fun. Uh, that's... Red and black appear to be be their their colours. There's a red and white one as well. Ah, oh, it's a shame they're not wearing blue. But what are you going to yeah, do? Well, they missed an opportunity. Haven't they, really? <laughs> Just to confuse everybody, we're playing we're playing road under road. <laughs> Why are they wearing pink? Um, <laughs> okay, I've got the final one. I'm going to partridge it up. Uh, Esther FC Aha nineteen seventy six. Uh, so FC Aha, Aha! <laughs> it's a hamlet just outside Frickenfelden uh, in Bayern between Munich and Nuremberg. A lot of these teams are quite new as well. They're not. Uh, you, you see a lot of teams in in Britain are eighteen hundreds. A lot of these are seventies, sixties. We've got fifties in there. I think when people complain about sort of the history of a club. And that's certainly the case in Germany where they've had, it's always been like complaints about Hoffenheim because they're kind of seen as a bit plastic and a bit new and they've got a stadium that's bigger than the, than Hoffenheim itself and like three times. The yeah. Size. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, yeah. uh, they, they, they get the same kind of shit that RB Leipzig get. But I think, I think it's kind of, kind of fun, you know, I kind of like the idea that these smaller teams are quite recent in, within living memory, the founders of those teams. That's quite nice, especially if it's located in a small town, small village. You've got that mm. kind of local connection. Ah, it's nice. I like it. Yeah. But uh, which of those are you going to support then? I, I think it's got to be FC Aha. Like, <laughs> just, it's just fun to say. Uh, You're just going to stand yeah. in the stadium and just go, Aha! And everyone's going, he's really into this team. He really likes them. <laughs> he's a big fan. It's close, it's close to me as well. I can, I can go and watch them play. For sure, I, I can't choose any of the highly sexualized teams because they make me feel uncomfortable just reading their names. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to tell anyone that I was a fan of Porndorf. Subtits. Oh yeah, <laughs> FC Sexal. Ooh, um, I guess I like Vermatia Worms. It's quite fun, but mm-hmm. I do like saying Don Bosco. Bosco. I think that's me. I think that's me. I've got my. Regional team there. Well, let's let's uh, let's plan the trip uh, to Bamberg. We'll do a load of Rauch beer and uh, watch Don Bosco. Yeah, I like that idea. What a plan! <laughs> Hello, Zitzaman. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also give some star ratings on Spotify. So chuck us some feedback on there as well. Also, I believe there's something or other on Google Podcasts. I should probably know by now, but but I don't. But if you use Google Podcasts, go find out if you can rate us. And if you feel so inclined, email me to let me know. 
Anyway, retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag decadesfromhome or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com slash decadesfromhome. We're continuing to post links to support Ukraine and the millions of refugees fleeing the war, so if you have some time, please take a look and, if possible, donate to support them. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40% German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. She's just getting to a phase now where she just thinks she can just say stuff and shit will appear in front of her. Like, it's it's fucking magic, honestly. The fucking happy-go-lucky days are over, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, she's fucking not that. She's a pain in the bloody ass. I was awake for three hours last night because she just wouldn't oh. go to sleep. Because she was just like, no, I'm just going to stay up singing, <laughs> singing. I'm like, I'm not a fucking... Oh, anyway. Right, she, she eventually has to go to sleep, so... Um, my cat woke me up at one point in the night and gave gave my wife a cuddle. That was that was it. You know what? If this is the way our friendship is going, <laughs> is this the end of our Freundschaftsspiel? This, this is the end of it. It's the end of the Freundschaftsspiel. Um, back once again with the Renegade Master, deformed damage of power of the people. Back once again. Recording.